Welcome to the Pop Culture Palace Presents Podcast, the official show for the Pop Culture Palace website. Every other week on this feed, you will find an episode from a rotating group of shows. This week, we bring you a regularly scheduled programming, Episode 7, Relationship Goals. Welcome back to a regularly scheduled programming. I'm one of your co-hosts, Al Sedano. If you remember our last episode, my wife Kim and I, she's your other co-host, were talking about two of the main relationships on Friends, Chandler and Monica, and Rachel and Ross. We talked about how they were handled and which one was shown as a more healthy relationship, Chandler and Monica, and which wasn't, Rachel and Ross. This led us into talking about what other relationships have been shown in popular culture and how healthy or unhealthy they were. That's what you're about to hear. So let's get started. And as usual, we recorded this sitting outside on our lanai, so you might hear some background noises from nature or the air conditioner. Sorry about that. Point is, this is why the Ross and Rachel thing really annoys me. Because I really hate it. I I have no patience. I have patience for watching hopeless romantic movies, even though I know that they're based in crap. But that's because they always give you the happy ending, which is fun. Who doesn't like a happy ending? But Ross and Tolstoy? Yeah, maybe. And Rand. Mm. Um, sure. But, uh, what's his name? The poet. The uh, Which the one? The crow. Um, who wrote the crow? No, not who wrote the crow, but that's what makes me think of him. Oh my god. I'll, it'll come to me at some point. Shelley? No. Yeats? No. There are other poets. Shelley? <laughs> anyway, so my point is simply that that's why watching that drives me crazy because they're trying to push this unhealthy, dysfunctional ridiculousness on you. It's not about you should have a kid only when you're married or anything like that, but. I just really don't like the whole Ross and Rachel start to grow up and then they stop growing up and then they start to grow up and then they stop growing up. I'm like, how come they can't grow up but Monica and Chandler apparently have? And Ross has some baggage, but (laughs) Chandler has more baggage. Possibly, yeah. I mean, if you play off the characters' backstories, come on. I don't know. Chandler had baggage before even hit puberty. Right, I don't know. I don't know who tops Chandler. I mean,. You know, mother's famous for writing sex novels and yeah, and talking fa- about her sex life on TV. Right, and the father is Kathleen Turner. So you know, I'm trying to figure out who's slept po- with the pool boy. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out who is the uh, poet. It's driving me nuts now. Yeah, I know. What kind of poetry are you talking about? Like the even very dark. It was like poetry and and prose night. and stars and, and stories. What Edgar Allan Poe? Yes, thank you. Edgar Allan Poe. Okay, yeah, I can see why the crow. Because yes. of the raven. Right, exactly. Thank you. Nevermore, nevermore. I can't think of the raven without thinking of that first Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Well. Where they read the raven and Bart's the raven. You're a much more Simpsons knowledgeable person than I am. Nevermore, nevermore, nevermore. But, yeah. Anyway. That's who I was going for, Edgar Allan Poe. You know? Edgar Allan Poe, okay. Lots of death. Lots yeah. of death. Yes, he doesn't have happy endings. 
definitely another one. Ooh, Lovecraft. Lovecraft, yes, he doesn't. He's not big on happy endings. No. no. At best, usually you get away with just going completely insane. Mm-hmm. So. But yes, my point is, love happy endings, so I can I can deal with fairy tales, even though, you know, I know that they're based in crap. <laughs> just in terms of don't apply them to your real life. But then again, you know, you can't watch Brewster's Millions and expect your life to go that way either. What? <laughs> That's not a documentary? <laughs> wouldn't be nice, wouldn't it? You know. So, I don't know. Like I said, Hollywood, Hollywood amuses me in the sense that in so many ways they try to define a moral level that we aspire to as a society, except when it comes to healthy relationships. That seems to be less common in terms of what they do. True. I mean, they do do it. There are shows and stuff that have shown it, but... For the most part, no. No. They go a lazy route. Yeah, the most, the most famous Hollywood love stories, if you don't even forget shows, just do your movies the most famous, none of them <laughs> were functional, healthy relationships. Casablanca. <laughs> okay. Well, no. Um, Gone with the Wind. Seriously dysfunctional, although a good match. <laughs> I will say that. they. Were I will give you one match. then, if we're going for that time period. The Thin Man. Don't remember that one. But William Powell, Myrna Loy. Excellent match. They were already married, and through the show, through the five or six movies they did in that series, they have a kid, and he gets older, and yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. If Hollywood just, does do it. If you're just saying, if you're mentioning that, I just popped in my head yeah. because of the time Hollywood, period you were talking about those other ones. Right, Hollywood does do it, but some of the most famous love stories of all time are not about healthy, functional relationships. Star Wars, Luke and Leia. Well, they wound up being brother and sister. Yeah, so that's a very, that would be a very bad relationship, right? (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) What are some other, like, and if fair to remember, obviously, you know, which later became, you know, sleepless in Seattle. Yes, dysfunctional, unhealthy, because, no, you don't. You don't get a fiance that is that kind when you're leaving them for someone else. It's Die Hard. That was obviously a very dysfunctional relationship. Yes. Consider, in fact, every other movie they got together or broke up. Ooh, one of my favorites, uh, Liam Neeson. Um, oh God. Uh, taken. Yes, Taken. Yeah, definitely. Not a good relationship. No, no. But they did try to put those two back together. I think of other movies where things like that, where it's not just romantic comedies. Right. I was thinking Bourne movies, but really, they yeah. really they have a chance to go much for go with that further because she gets killed off so quickly. Yeah, and they actually seem to have a reasonable relationship. Yeah, but once we they couldn't get tell. Out of it, yeah. But once you know, she's dead. So what little they seem to be in a, right. a decent relationship. Right. What we see of it seems reasonable. That little bit at the end of the first movie and the beginning of the second one. but Yeah, they, where she's still trying to help him. Remember. They just kill her off so quickly, yeah. which is kind of stupid. Yeah. Although maybe the one with... What but that wouldn't... I wouldn't... I wouldn't credit that as a love story. No, it but I was... It has a love theme. But. Yeah, but I was trying to go with the, you know, the love part of other yeah. movies that maybe are where it's not the point of it, but to see, you know, where they... If that's not the point... 
Dr. Gerbergo, very famous love story, very beloved, very dysfunctional, and not just because of the war. True romance, I, hmm, true romance, I'm trying to think. <laughs> true romance is outside of reality. That's almost a functional, healthy relationship within two dysfunctional sociopaths. So I don't know how you would credit that one. No, that's not. Wait, they're not sociopaths unless you're unless you're thinking of natural born killers. I'm thinking natural born killers. I'm talking about True Romance, which was Patricia Arquette and um, Christian Slater. Which I don't remember. It's the one of the first two Tarantino movies. He wrote that one and Reservoir Dogs, but he directed Reservoir Dogs. Ridley Scott directed. He didn't direct True Romance. He just All wrote right. it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with Quentin Tarantino does not tell. A healthy love story, no matter how we play this. Well, it actually goes a bit more of what you said. She was a hooker. She technically was the hooker with the heart of gold, but he was not a millionaire. He was more the guy you were talking about that she ends up with. He's a guy... (laughs) I know, but I still don't give Tarantino credit. Well, this was his version of a romantic story. (laughs) I know, (laughs) but it's Tarantino. (laughs) We're not going to go... The one would not put that as one of the beloved classic love stories of all times okay and two no not really healthy um yeah he does lose an eye (laughs) (laughs) all right maybe i need to take a few things back about what i said about marrying a very good partner and having a healthy relationship with them i'm right here if my husband is throwing true romance out As an example of a love story. Well, for the most part, most of those love story movies, like you said, don't have anything. Don't don't feature healthy ones. So I was trying to think of movies where there is a romantic quality or love quality to it that would have maybe though show a more healthy relationship. Okay. Because the movies, like what am I what am I got to mention then? Um, what's the one with the what's her name where she goes back down to Alabama and. She's engaged to oh, Sweet Murphy Home Brown's da- yeah. son. Sweet Home Alabama, which is just another version. I'm going to get that. Yeah. Which is just another version of an affair to remember. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's the thing. Most of those are going to be, we're going to have the same answer anyway. So, instead of just wasting time with that, I figured I would look for ones that have something, have a relationship. <laughs> like, if we, if I was joking when I said Luke and Leia, but, like, would Han, but would Han and Leia be a healthy one or not? Because there is a romantic quality to it. It's not the point of the movie. But there is a relationship in there. Um, no, Holland and Leia, unfortunately, would not be an example of a healthy relationship. But they have, they they had a potential to be one, but they they decided to take that away because they showed them separated anyway yeah. later on. Um, yeah, that's that's why I went with true romance because there is a romantic quality, you know, relationship quality. Just like I would say, for instance, and this would probably not be a healthy relationship, True Lies, Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Considering the fact that he spent the entire, you know, his entire marriage lying to her. All right, I'll give you an all-time, definitely has made it into the beloveds of pop culture, and has will be a and will be considered a classic. It's already considered a classic by some people, depending on your age. That shows actually a healthy relationship, and is a little closer to reality, and two relationships in that movie are healthy. It's called When Harry Met Sally. Okay. Harry and Sally definitely... Although they do spend a lot of time breaking up. Not with each other. 
Hmm. No, they don't. They spend a long time figuring out that each other is right for them. They spend a long time in in not so great relationships and they get into that fight, but the truth is once they're together, they actually have a good relationship. And it's an example of a relationship where yeah, they argue a lot, but they don't they're not about arguing to be mean to each other or because they're trying to win it's just their personalities and that's okay and the other relationship is Carrie Fisher and I can't remember the actor's name who played Billy Crystal's best friend in that they are a very healthy relationship in that as well oh okay well going for another movie I know we've seen recently curious your thought on this couple okay The Money Pit Shelley Long and Tom Hanks horrible match horrible match their characters are a little lacking in basing of, of reality. They don't have strong backstories or anything, so that kind of plays into it a little bit. But the other, no, they're a horrible match. Okay. You know, how he perceives money and the world and how she perceives money in the world, no, they're not even remotely on the same page. Mm, true. You don't break up over the house like that. And you don't live in your ex-husband's apartment these things are not true smart or healthy i want to go ridiculous now like how about Corey Haim and what's her name who played mercedes and licensed to drive no because they're teenagers that doesn't no actually if you want to go with what appeared to be a healthy relationship and you want to go quirky one of your all-time favorites would have loved to have given it to you for your bachelor party but we knew we couldn't get it accomplished michael did try we did talk about it at length michael and i but bachelor, bachelor party. party actually pay attention to their relationship tony katane and tom hanks yeah they actually have a pretty healthy relationship before you know the even craziness his interest issues. even his interest with the egg beater oh come on honey <laughs> yes well kind of the point you know they it's okay honey we're married now this is legal <laughs> oh well we're going to tom hanks things is where he covered like half his movies splash uh no that one's even a hard one to even apply because it it just gets there's nothing about her character you can apply to reality because she is a mermaid true so you can't really use that one um it's kind of like trying to use beauty and the beast there are fairy tales you can pick from but beauty and the beast is not one and of them. basically splash is little mermaid right um but if you want to go through the tom hanks one okay so we go with another one where um, interestingly enough, they were a good match and would have a healthy relationship, but it was done in that ridiculous uh, romantic comedy way. You got mail. I don't think I've seen that one. I think I avoided it. Not a bad flick. Not a great flick. Definitely was playing off on the whole Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks are, you know, the it romantic comedy couple because of Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. But their characters actually had a lot more in common. They just were competitors in the business world, so it made for a lot of fun friction. So that one I'll give... That was more of a fun one that could you could play with, I think. Because when all was said and done, yeah, they actually would have a real connection and something real to offer each other. Ooh, ooh I have a good one. What? Ghostbusters. Peter Vankman, Bill Murray, and Sigourney Weaver's character, uh, Dana Barrett. Yeah, they were a bad match. But 
they were fun. Yeah. No doubt. And at least being a bad match, they didn't make it horrendous in terms of getting too much into that. But again, that movie doesn't delve too much into the romantic aspect. No. Um, I'm dealing with the movies that have that more of a, in a mainstream. Okay. Um... So I guess I shouldn't ask you about Hulk and Black Widow from the second Avengers movie. <laughs> no. Nor should you ask me about Thor and uh, Natalie Portman. Although they're a little bit closer than Hulk and Black Widow, I think. Although, no, I don't know. I think they all have the kind of similar things in common and similar things not in common. Well, actually, this one, actually, then going with that, though, actually, the one that actually did have a bit more of that into it. Uh, <coughs> Iron Man and Pepper. Pepper. Actually, great match. Balance each other very well. Complement each other very well. You know? Definitely have very similar outlooks on on a lot of things that are important to your core. How money is dealt with. I mean, they both have a very similar business head. Actually, she has a better one than he does. Yes. And he recognizes that. That's why he made um, put her in charge. They both want to use the technology to make the world better. That is a hugely important common goal that they have. And they both value each other a great deal. So actually, it's a very healthy one. Just set against a very <laughs> fun and <laughs> um, dysfunctional backdrop. Which could cause problems for that as well. Yes. She hasn't seen Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, I don't know. If you you want, if anyone out there wants to see two, you know, unqualified couch psychoanalysts break down any relationship that has been featured in Hollywood, send us your movie picks. If we've seen it, we'll tell you what works and what doesn't and why. Because it just amuses me. It does. Send them in. <laughs> um, Email address will come at the end of the show. Question it. Okay, so another one. It was a popular romantic comedy <clears throat> that we can dissect that. Uh... Oh, I got one. Okay. Granted, it's a whole supernatural thing, but why not? Let's go with it because it was a pop culture phenomenon. And you've seen it despite whether or not you've wanted to see it. Oh, I know what it is. Is it sparkly? It's sparkly. It's so sparkly. It's so sparkly. And they can come out in day. They just sparkle. So, if you haven't figured it out, we are talking about... Twilight. <laughs> all right uh that interesting little mashup all i can tell you is first and foremost if you haven't read the books read the books they make a huge difference the movies the only reason why i can watch the movies is because i read the books and the movies in some ways bring some of the characters to life and it's wonderful and enjoyable uh but no no, I can't understand why anyone liked Twilight just based on the movies. That has left me confused and confounded for years. Aside from the fact that Kristen Stewart was horrendous, um, the fact that they cut so much out of the character arcs 
in the movies, especially the first one, really makes a huge difference. And if you read the books, they're actually a pretty decent match. In the movies, it's more like, well, the script says we get together. Yeah, in the movies, they're just angsty teens getting together. And in the books, it really makes more sense because he is a lot more mature. And she is a teenager when she starts out in this. But by the end of this, she is not. She is an adult. She's fully arced. She's figured some shit out. She's grown up. It makes a lot more sense. Um, but no, it is not the relationship to aspire to. Oh, well, in that case, going with that then. One where there is a kind of a backdrop of a relationship, short of. Harry Potter books or movies. Mm. Hermione and Ron. Uh, actually, they're a very healthy and excellent match. Because the angst you see in the fighting you see is strictly because they're kids, and well, true, yeah. The most, the majority of that they're not even they're yeah. teenagers they're, or tweens, yeah. And they're, but actually, if you think about it, they absolutely have the same core values. As we can see from the fact that the, yeah. the three leads are the thing, and the, yeah, the, they all view the same things very important. Yeah, the fundamental difference between their life in terms of how they grew up is Hermione didn't have any siblings, and Ron did. But Hermione, because of the boarding school, because of the time she spends bonded with Harry and Ron and the time she spends at the Weasley house, she has a strong sense of siblings. Perfect example is her quick and powerful bond that she forges with Ginny from the very beginning, even though Ginny's younger than her. Ginny becomes a sister she never had. Yeah. Hermione has a very strong and important relationship with her parents. Even though you don't hear a lot about it, which she does talk about, you can tell she has a good relationship with them. And Ron has the same with his parents. We know his parents are highly involved, very loving. Yes. Um, and have done everything they could to raise good kids. You know, their main difference is their value in terms of academics. Ron is a bit of a goof off. Hermione isn't. That's not a core value. No, because that really goes away. That's a value that goes away when you're not in school. Right. Unless and he picks a job like a doctor where you kind of do need to keep up with studying to be current with medical practices. For the most part, once you're out of school, you're, you know, your studying habits really aren't a factor in your life. No. And unless Ron became the type of person that doesn't think school has any value, which there was nothing to lead you to believe that that's who he thinks, you know. Yeah. They wouldn't have a difference. They would both value sending their kids to school for their kids to get the education, for their kids to learn. The difference would be Hermione, you know, feeling like the kids need to achieve the higher grades and Ron being like, okay, if they get a B, they get a B. Yeah. You know, um, it's not necessarily a core value. No, they're, how they value family, friends, how what's important in the world... Oh, no, they're dead on. That's why the trio is so close. The three of them, any any combination would have worked. Hmm. Okay? Because there's a reason they're all so close. Yeah. And um, that's why it actually works that Ron and Hermione are a great couple and then Harry and Ginny. Say, kids, what would you like to do tonight? Listen to the HBO Huh? Every week, these two really smart and funny guys give a synopsis of a Lovecraft story, then talk about background critical reviews and what the stories say about the author. How do we get these two boys into our home? HPPodcast.com. 
The internet? I don't know. It's wholesome family entertainment. We can even get on iTunes. It's easy. And then we can impress our school friends with all our arcane knowledge. Say, you know what I like to do on a night like this? With the dark woods out back silhouetted by the ghostly full moon, the branches shadows making all sorts of crazy angled patterns in the yard. You two aren't going to do that again, are you? Why don't you two go out back and play with the shadows? Take the baby with you. Hey, there's already somebody out there. What? I think they're coming to talk to us. They should have listened. Yeah. Hey, we still can. Before we go, I'd like to thank all the people who helped promote the last episode on social media. So a big thank you for liking and sharing that episode on Facebook to Justin Lesniak, Dan DK, Kimberly Sedeno, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, and Randy Reyes. On Twitter, thank you for retweeting and liking to Carrick Big E Podcast, Dylan Nosed, Mike Ratliff, Justin the Buck, Heroes Garage, Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, Jason Snick Venable, Eric Mannix, Alex's Comic Rant, PrimoCast, Todd Schoonover, and Christian and Damon's Amazing Nerd Show. If you'd like to be part of the Parade of Thanks next time, please go on Facebook, follow us on there, just search for Pop Culture Palace in the search box, and then you can like our episodes on Twitter. You can find us at, at the PC Palace. And of course, you can always go to the website, thepopculturepalace.com. We have things besides my episodes up there. We have movie and TV reviews, music reviews, things like that. Finally, email thepalaceofpopculture at gmail.com. I want to know what you thought about this episode. Were there any of the relationships that we said were healthy or unhealthy that you disagree with? And were there any relationships that in pop culture that you like or think are unhealthy and we didn't mention those? Send to us. Let us know. Okay, that's all for this episode. We'll be back in two weeks with, well, something else. See you then. opinions expressed in this show are merely that, our opinions. Any TV shows, movies, comics, novels, whatever, played in clips or discussed on the show are copyright, their respective copyright holders. No infringement is intended.